0: need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer with big design small budget here's your host betsy helmuth there is nothing that i love more than answering your burning interior design questions i love hearing about your projects your challenges so keep them coming These past few weeks I have gotten a lot of great questions, and today I'm going to share a few of them on big design, small budgets, free for all. Let's kick it off with our first question that comes from April. April writes, Betsy, I have a small nook space in my one bedroom apartment that's 5 feet by. 8 feet long. It's totally open on one 8 foot side, and I have one 5 foot wall set up with a desk and filing cabinet which is serving as my office. Behind me is one sad armless chair and my guitar. I have no idea what to do with the rest of the space. I don't want to close any of it off or crowd it with too much stuff, but it's a bit of an awkward area to fill, and I can only ever seem to get it half right. I'd like the remaining area to be a comfortable space for me to either practice guitar or read. What should I do to complete the space? I've attached photos for your reference. So April has attached photos to the email and I have attached her photos to my BigDesignSmallBudget.com website. So if you wanna see what I'm talking about while I reference it, feel free to log on to BigDesignSmallBudget.com and check out the episode page. So April, let's dig right in. First things first, whenever I'm designing a space, I ask myself, is the layout right? And in this case, my visceral response to that question based on these photos is no, no, it's not right. So how I create the perfect layout is first, I imagine that the space is totally empty so your space is magically empty and then i take the biggest function in this space and you've told me there's two functions for this space the first is a desk area with filing cabinet and the second is a cozy chair for playing guitar or reading so let's just take the desk area first and there's only three viable walls that we can put it on because i never float a desk in the middle of the space due to the fact that it has cords that need to come off the desk which would pose a tripping hazard if they have to float all the way to a wall outlet. So unless you have a floor outlet, I don't recommend floating your desk. So we're going to imagine that it's hugging one of these walls. Let's just start with the five foot wall that it's on. The problem with it on this wall is that it just fills the wall. It's the biggest function in the room and it's on one of the smaller walls, which makes it just look very tight and unwelcoming. So it's not my favorite placement let's imagine that we put it on the five foot wall that's behind where the guitar currently is again this is one of the smaller walls in the space so we don't want to put this biggest function on that smallest wall the bigger function typically feels most anchored on the longest wall that holds true for a bedroom with a bed the bed typically feels most anchored on the longest wall The same with the sofa and in a living room space. The largest wall in that living room will typically help the sofa to feel most anchored when you place it there. So let's imagine that we put this desk area on the longer wall, that 8-foot wall. Now, of course, we could put it closest to where the chair is now and the guitar, but I don't actually see an outlet on that side. And I don't want to put it in the middle because if I put it in the middle of the 8-foot wall, I can't accommodate a big enough area for another large function like that reading nook on either side so instead let's scoot this desk area down to the eight foot side of the wall that's furthest on the right that's where the outlet is in the picture that i can see therefore the desk will be covering the outlet and concealing the cords that are coming off the desk so i would face the desk to the eight foot wall now the next area that we need to place is of course that music and chair area. And there's only one other zone in this room because it's a relatively tight space and we don't want to block the walkway. And that is the other corner of the room. So of course we're going to put the chair in the other corner of the room roughly where it is now. But I think it will feel much more defined and much more cozy if you anchor it under a rug. I'm recommending a circular rug because we have a lot of rectangles and squares in this space, what with the desk, the filing cabinets, the walls, the doors. So I recommend a circular rug that's either three or four feet in diameter. You'll want to measure based on the placement. And I think that that would really visually define this reading nook and make it feel cozier. And then I would take the lamp, that big floor lamp, and I would put it on the side of the desk that's closest to the reading area so do tuck it so that it's close to the desk don't float it in the middle of the space but having it close to the desk will give it intention and its intention will be to serve as a task lamp for the desk but then it will also help to illuminate the other area so that would be my recommendation and then of course in terms of artwork I would put the two shelves above the desk on the 8-foot wall and I would probably I'm open! I'm open, but I would probably put the Oklahoma art behind the chair again on the 8-foot wall. That's making the entire room about that 8-foot wall and really drawing attention to it. I might even like the idea of mounting your guitar on the 5-foot wall that's by the chair. I love a wall-mounted guitar. It's like a wall sculpture and it doesn't take up any floor space, which this small area doesn't have a lot of. So, April. Hopefully that has been helpful. I can't wait to hear how your space turns out. Do keep us posted. We're dying to see those after photos. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock-filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. My next question comes from John, who's a former design client of mine. I helped him with some decoration, and now he's starting to dig into some renovation. Let's hear about it. John writes, Betsy, we are renovating a bathroom and are overwhelmed with the choices. Do you have any suggestions, John? Do I have suggestions? John, do you remember me? I have suggestions, opinions, thoughts, experience. I'm here for you. Let's start first by asking yourself, what does my kitchen look like? You're saying, Betsy, why do I care about the kitchen? I'm focusing on my bathroom. But we want all the spaces, the kitchens and all the bathrooms in the home to have some kind of cohesivity. They don't have to be matchy-matchy. You don't have to use the same tile on your Bathroom surround that you use on your kitchen backsplash, but they do need to look like they belong in the same home. I wouldn't make a very traditional kitchen and then have a very modern minimalist bathroom. These are architectural features in your home that unlike decor, which is easy to change, I can toss out a pillow, I can move a bookcase. When you're talking renovations, these are things that don't change even when you move. So you want them to have a nice look that not only fits with the other kitchens and baths, but that also resonates with the architecture of your home. So stand outside your house, look at it. Is it a pre-war? Is it a craftsman? Is it super modern? Is it industrial loft space? And then try and maintain some level of cohesivity there. The next thing that I do, once I've kind of gotten a through line, is that I go on a website. So I go to house.com, I go to housebeautiful.com, I like apartment therapy. And I find an image of a bathroom that I really would be excited about. Now, you want to keep in mind and be realistic. You know, of course, I would be super excited about a soaker tub with a separate shower stall. But if that's not going to happen in my size bathroom, you want to find a bathroom that has a similar square footage to yours, similar capabilities in terms of what it can do, and you just want to mimic it. So I would scour those sites, scour books and magazines, until I find one or two images that completely encapsulate a look that I would be pumped about in my bathroom. Third step. Third step is I go shopping. So I go to tile vendors, I go to cabinet vendors, I look at fixtures, and when I'm at these stores, I talk to the retailers. So I seek out someone who's knowledgeable, even as a designer. When I'm shopping for tile at Nemo Tile in the city, I head right to the vendor and I say, this is what I'm doing. This is my inspiration picture. Can you show me some tile that looks roughly like this? Can you show me a countertop that would go really well with that tile? Can you show me what people normally do when they have a bathtub like this. And I just lean on their expertise. I really use it. They do this every day, all the time, been there, seen that. And you can just take what they're recommending and translate it to your picture and your bathroom. If you don't love the first person's advice, go to the next vendor, ask their advice, come back on a different day, ask a different salesperson what they would recommend. But these are people who are experts in their field. So once I've gotten their recommendations, then I execute. Basically, I start ordering and I start installing. Now, John, if you still feel lost, of course you can call Affordable Interior Design. We have a renovation consultation package for $395 where we come to your space, check it out, and then take you to our favorite vendors and select the finishes that we think work well in your space as well as with your inspiration picture and also most importantly that fit within your budget but you don't have to do that if you follow my initial steps you can do this on your own my word of warning this is not a place to be cheap and this is not a place to make rush decisions wait for the right piece even if it's on back order ask for recommendations if you feel hesitant in any way because like I was saying earlier renovations stay with the space even after you leave this is a big money big commitment item in terms of tile finishes etc and so you want to get it right the first time this is not something you want to undo or redo and of course if you do it right it'll positively affect your resale you're welcome so john i hope that helped Go forth and shop and keep us posted. I want to hear how this fabulous bathroom turns out. Now, let's move on to our next email. Our next email comes from Jacqueline. Here we go. Hi, Betsy. I love your podcast. Thanks, Jacqueline. I'm currently trying to furnish my condo on an essentially zero budget, and your podcast has been super helpful. Thanks for listening, Jacqueline. I listened to your retail rundown part one. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Target. I know Emily Henderson has been a big styling advocate of theirs, and I'd love to know if you feel the same way she does about all of their decor items, their furniture, and their bed and bath items. I'm a Target devotee, but obviously I don't do the volume of purchasing that you do, and I would love to hear your thoughts on what's crap and what's gold. Thanks, Jacqueline. So yes, I do do a lot of shopping at Target, for myself and for my clients and I do have strong feelings about their merchandise I'm gonna sum it up for you quickly 35 percent gold 65 percent crap now part of the reason that Emily Henderson loves Target is probably because she's being paid to love Target so she's probably representing a line or serving as a temporary spokesperson so you wanna watch out for that she may have uh, ulterior motives I, on the other hand, don't. I'm not getting any kickbacks to share my thoughts with you. And here goes. Target is great for accessories. I love styling with Target, just like Emily. I do like their designer-inspired lines. You know, they have people like Nate Burkus, perhaps even Emily Henderson, I'm not sure. But famous designers create specialty lines that are only temporarily available. And I think a lot of that stuff is really fun. Would I buy furniture there? Probably not. I wouldn't buy anything more expensive than a nice ottoman. (laughs) But uh, I do love their bookends, their little side tables. I like their lamps. I recently bought a rug for my daughter's room that I really love. I got an ottoman for my living room that has storage inside. That's going to look really great for eight months. And then I'm going to buy a new ottoman. So I think it's great for that low commitment Punch of color, pattern, etc. But I would not buy any sort of investment piece here. I would not buy a dining table here. I would not buy my bed there. So, those big statements, those anchor pieces, it wouldn't be my first thought to shop at Target. That being said, read the reviews. You might find that you'll stumble upon a piece of gold, but I really read every review. Because a lot of their stuff is not available in the store, so I won't have any firsthand experience with it prior to purchase. And if you do stumble on a piece of crap, the exciting thing about Target is that I have had amazing experience with their customer service team. So they've been really great about sending me prepaid labels, about being really quick and really easy in terms of solving the problem without a lot of hassle. So I hope that helps. Go forth and shop, but just buy your smaller, trendier items here. So thank you so much. Until next Tuesday, we'll talk to you later. Bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy. Bye.